That is just such a heavy-duty song, and that's on John Mayer's latest album. He doesn't do as good a job on it as Charlie does, but that's okay. Um, but that song is really insightful when you think about it, and I'm amazed, really, that, that it's such a uh, popular album and so forth, because it doesn't really answer what's missing, does it? Something's missing, and it doesn't really give the answer to that. And that's what I want to talk about, because what Jesus did when he came was so revolutionary, um, it answered that question and many others. At the time and to this day, many of those things are still misunderstood. But I want to show you that. Let me just get you to think along those lines with me because there's a lot of things that have been said about this whole theme by some of the great thinkers and, and, uh, and philosophers of the world. Let me just go through a few of those. Pascal, uh, Pascal said this, There is a God-created vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God, the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. That's, that's heavy. That's good. That's just so good. One of my favorite guys, Augustine, or Augustine, depending on how you pronounce it, Thou hast created us for Thyself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in You. And then, of course, my friend, C.S. Lewis, our whole being by its very nature is one vast need, incomplete, preparatory, empty, yet cluttered, crying out for him who can untie things that are now knotted together and tie up things that are still dangling loose. All centered around this thing of, of what's missing, which is tied to what we those of us who are followers of Christ know what would be missing, which is a relationship with God. doesn't mean when we have a relationship with God that all of a sudden every day is just terrific and we never have any heartache or problems or loneliness or anything. doesn't mean that at all, nor am I suggesting that. What it does mean is that we do have the tools, we do have the ability then to find out, you know, to pursue what it is we are here for, to serve, to live in a way that would be pleasing to our Creator, God, and the fine things along the way in life that will be uh, fulfilling for a time uh, and so forth, and, and more than just a temporary type of thing until we, until we uh, go on to meet, meet our Creator in heaven. Um, I want to I show you some other things because this is Jesus the revolutionary, and, and there's just no better way to say that when I bring up the term revolutionary, we have all kinds of things that are conjured up in our mind. We think of, I think of the Revolutionary War. I think of Shea uh, down in Cuba uh, and the revolution that happened there. I think of 1917 revolution of the Bolsheviks and, and over the Tsar in Russia. All, all kinds of things pop into, into our minds depending on our particular um, frame of reference. We talk about a revolution. Jesus' revolution was is one that some people are still trying to figure out, frankly. Even in places like this, even in houses of worship across our land and across the world. Um, very quickly, let me show you a couple, couple great leaders and what they said about Jesus. Um, he, this is, uh, this is Benjamin Franklin, he who shall introduce into public affairs 
the principles of Christ will change the face of the world. Now, I don't know what you know about Benjamin Franklin. He wasn't exactly an upright circumstance, circum, uh, circumspect, excuse me, uh, good Christian boy, necessarily, if you know what I mean. But even he recognized the importance of Christ in his situation. He, I don't know if you know much about Ben, but he had a tough life, particularly before the, uh, this country was formed and uh, just, just some really difficult family things and so forth. Let me show you what another great leader, Napoleon, said. If Socrates would enter the room, we should rise and do him honor. But if Jesus Christ came into the room, we should fall down on our knees and worship him. Napoleon, wow. Whatever, whatever you may think of his place in history and so forth, what a, what a great statement. Listen, and here's the thing that I want you to see, if I could put it in these terms. Jesus took this whole religion thing to a different level. He wanted to make, make it clear. He wanted to make it clear that this was not some hocus-pocus, mumbo-jumbo, repeat-after-me, mind-numbing, dork-attracting, tricked-up, look-at-me, dog-and-pony show uh, that, is not, that is nothing more than an external exercise that never touches the heart, the soul, or the mind of a person. That's a mouthful, I realize. But um, that, that's what Jesus... That's a great quote, by the way. That'll be on the website later today, just in case you want that. Um, <laughs> thought you might be looking for that. Um, Jesus took it to a whole different level. People didn't like it then. They didn't understand it. They reacted negatively against it. And you know what? In many places and in many ways, it hasn't changed today, 2,000 years later. Jesus made it clear in the Sermon on the Mount, and he made it clear with a statement that rocked, literally rocked the world of everyone listening to him at that time. It rocked the world. Here was the statement. It's recorded for us in Matthew in what we now call the Sermon on the Mount, which it was a Sermon on the Mount, Mount just outside of, uh, well, it was right along the Sea of Galilee, and I've been to the the place we believe where this took place. It's a kind of a natural amphitheater and great setting for a, a crowd of four or 5,000, which, which we believe were there. And um, it's just, it's just kind of cool. But here's what he said, and this just rocked the world. Let me show it to you from Matthew chapter 5. But I warn you, unless you obey God better than the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees do, you can't enter the kingdom of God at all can't enter the kingdom of heaven at all. Here's what, I, I really, words fail to be able to give me the ability to show you just how revolutionary this was. Um, this is no commentary on what's going on on the, week, on the weekend and so forth with the Pope and so forth, but to try to explain it to you, this would be similar to, not the same, but similar to somebody coming along and telling all of the most devout Catholics ever by saying, unless your righteousness is better than that of the, Rome, of the, of the Pope, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. You can imagine how that would, would take. And, 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 and by the way, that's not the same thing, so don't think I'm making any statements here about the Pope's spirituality or anything like that. I'm not. But I'm trying to get you to understand the context that these people heard this in. Jesus is saying, the most righteous, quote-unquote, people in the world, unless your righteousness 
is greater than them, you, 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 you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. So these people are sitting here listening to this, and they're going, wow, if they're not going to make it, I'm going to bust the gates of hell wide open because I, I, I haven't got a prayer. And that's not at all what Jesus was saying. Here's what he was doing. He, he was literally rocking their world because he was saying, and he elucidated throughout the Sermon on the Mount, which if you ever want to read it, it's Matthews chapter 5, 6, and 7. But um, he elucidated upon that and explained exactly what he meant. And I'm just going to show you two or three examples of that. He goes, because it, it would take a long time to go through everything. He elucidated on that. For instance, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, he said this, You have heard that the law of Moses says, Do not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. I say to you, if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, uh-oh, you are in danger of being brought before the high council. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. His point, and some Bibles translate this a little differently. Some will say, if you, if you hate with your heart to the point of wishing someone dead, You've committed murder too. And here's the point, and that is this. Murder can be in the heart. When we hate, when we, in this case he's saying calling names, and in the sense it's not a matter of calling names, it's calling names and really having the force of feeling behind that calling, that name calling, to the point of saying, you know, I hate you, or you are just a despicable human being, and meaning it, he said, Jesus says, that's, that's murder in the heart. So these people are listening to this, and they're all of a sudden, wow. So even though I don't pull out a gun and shoot somebody, well, they wouldn't say pull out a gun and shoot somebody, but even though I don't put a spear through somebody, I can still be guilty of murder. Yeah, you can. You ever done that? Don't shake your heads, you know. Um, I have. We've, we have. Oh, most of us. Most of us have where you just really just dislike someone to the point, maybe you don't say it, and maybe you don't even think the very words, but you just wish they were dead by how much you hate. Guilty of, you're guilty of murder. Now, again, please don't misunderstand. The consequences for that kind of murder are quite different than the consequences for a literal murder, and I understand that. But don't allow the consequences to confuse you with how bad the sin is. Just because you don't go to jail for hating doesn't mean it's okay. Let me show you another example that Jesus talks about. And this comes from the same, from the same passage, Matthew chapter 5. Look what he says. Verse 27, you have heard that the law of Moses says, do not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust, it could be a man if you're, if you're a Well, in many different situations. Um, But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust in his eye has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Adultery can be committed with your clothes on. Do you remember, some of you may remember this, the stir that it caused when Jimmy Carter was running for president and he was interviewed in Playboy magazine. Can't explain why he did that, but he did. You know, when you're looking for votes, I suppose you've got to go wherever you've got to go to get them. But anyway, uh, and he created quite a stir because they asked him about adultery, and he said, I've committed adultery in my heart many times. And everybody like, what? What is that all about? That was a revolutionary teaching today, just like it was then. 
It's amazing. It's amazing. I appreciate it, by the way, his honesty, his openness about that. Too bad he wasn't a very good president, but that's another story. Um, that's an opinion. That, just discard that. You may disagree with that, and that's just fine. You can disagree with that. He, he, I have met him, and he was a great, he's, a, he's a wonderful man. I believe he has a, I believe he has a heart for Christ, and that's, that's what's really important. He's done, I think he's probably the best ex, one of the best ex-presidents ever by some of the things he's done, Habitat for Humanity and so forth. But that created such a stir. It was revolutionary, just like it was so revolutionary then. Jesus is saying, it's not just the action people. It's the heart. Again, that's what I said earlier. Just for the record, men and women, if you commit adultery, there are going to be a whole set of different circumstances that will go into effect than if you have adultery in your heart. Don't confuse, though, the fact that just because one penalty visibly is worse than another, don't confuse the fact that one is not as bad as the other from God's perspective. And, and listen, in, this, in the Hebrew mind, this was a big deal. Even today, just heard this recently from a rabbi friend. He says, we, he says, we don't care if you lust in your heart. We don't think you should act on it. Well, we don't care if you lust in your heart. It's not a matter of what you think. It's a matter of what you do. Well, that's not what Jesus taught. This was revolutionary then and now. Just phenomenal stuff. Okay, so murder can be in the heart. Adultery can be committed with all your clothes. Let me show you one more. There's a lot of them. I'm just going to show you one more, also from Matthew. And, uh, and, and this is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You have heard that the law of Moses says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Let me stop there just for a moment, because you, you know probably the rest of the passage, but... Last week, those of you who were here, if you weren't here, I just I, I got to remind those. This will be repetitive if you were here, but you got to indulge me a moment. I I told the story, and I've told it I think before, maybe I don't, I don't remember how how in, in the UN um, prayer group that I lead, and I was there this week. But uh, one of the ambassadors was just astounded by the fact, and I mentioned this last week, the fact that I read this passage in our prayer group about how how you were supposed to love our enemies, and how that ambassador told me. You don't understand. My enemies are trying to kill me. There was a lady here after the service last Sunday who, who and, and said, you know, she says, I'm in tears because I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ raised in a Muslim country, and that's exactly what happened to me on a number of occasions in a, in a Muslim culture. We would be, she says, me, there were two of us. My friend and I would be made fun of and told, oh, you're one of those Christians who believes in loving your enemies as if that was a really a bad thing, which it is, of course, in the Muslim culture. You kill your enemies. You don't love your enemies. Um, and, and she, but she was, that last Sunday, she was in tears. She says, you reminded me of all that, and it's so true. It's exactly what I was used to where I was raised in that particular culture in another, in another country. And uh, this was revolutionary then. It's, it's revolutionary. The only reason it's not revolutionary to some of us is we have been raised, whether you, were, whether you were raised in a church or not, we have been raised where this kind of teaching is taught. Oftentimes, it's not, it's not accredited to Jesus, even though it is his teaching. And, but, I mean, this is, this is revolutionary stuff. Love your enemies. And he says that for us very clearly here. He says, pray for those who persecute you. Look at verse 45. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust too. For if you only love those who love you, what good is that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. 
If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect or mature, uh, uh, righteous is the word better translated, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. In other words, you don't just love those who like you. You don't just love those who like you. I want to, I want to, Jesus just blew all this apart. Now I want to show you something very quickly, just a couple of other passages from, from the Bible. Because Jesus then, basically, in my words, trashes their religious system. Their religious system was one of sacrifices. He's talking to basically, keep in mind, a, a, a Judaism, a culture of Judaism. And, and, he, and, and look what he says in, in Matthew chapter 9. I've just got a couple of verses that I want you to see very quickly. Matthew chapter 9, he says this. When, when he heard this, Jesus replied, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to be merciful. I don't want your sacrifices. He's saying, I don't want you to do what you have been trained to do since you were a, since you were a baby sacrifices. I don't want you doing that. And I'm telling you, these people at this point in time are like, that's all I know. And Jesus is saying, it's about the heart. It's about the head. It's not about just going through the motions. He says that over. One more, one more. Matthew 12, later on, says the same type of thing. Pick it up there in verse, uh, where am I picking it up? I forgot what I had. Verse 5, right there, where he says this. Um, um, And haven't you ever read in the law of Moses that the priest on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is not there is one here who is even greater than the temple. But you would not have you you would excuse me. But you would not have condemned those who aren't guilty if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to be merciful. I don't want your sacrifices. He says that again. I don't want your sacrifices. It's not about the sacrificing thing. It's not about, you know, and just kind of reduce that down to our culture. It's not about just going to church. It's not just about saying my prayers. All those things are good. But Jesus is just really coming at this thing in a revolutionary manner. And what he's saying then and now is so revolutionary that even today, what do we like to do? We like to keep going back to a whole system of do's and don'ts, whether that be going to church or doing this. Here's what I, let me show you. I've done, I don't like, do, I did, I've done this two weeks in a row now. I don't normally like to do something two weeks in a row, but I'm going to. Uh, uh, ten things. Ten rebellious teachings of Jesus, okay? And I think this will kind of elucidate, explain, make clear a little more for you what we're talking about. Ten rebellious teachings of Jesus. What are they? Number one, faith is not about mindless, mindless activity. Faith is not about my... Jesus is saying, no, that's not what it is. It's not just doing this stuff. Isn't it interesting that so many times we continue to do that in our houses of worship, whether we be Catholic or Protestant or or, or anything else? Um, Faith is not about following the rules. You know that had to come up, didn't you? It's not about following the rules. Now, are there standards? Yeah. There are standards. Are there principles that I have? That you, yeah. And then this is, this is kind of tricky. By the way, I'm working right now on the next series, which is um, called Adventures and Missing the Point. And um, 
and, and, and we're going to talk about that. There's a lot of stuff that, that are involved. And one of those is this whole thing about following the rules. And here's what I want to say, because this is really important. And it's not about following the rules. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have principles. There's a guy here this morning, and, I, and I, 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 I'm either here or be in the next service. And um, I don't want you to know who it is, because I'll embarrass him. But he, we were talking about this one. He said, I, I understand what you're saying about this whole rule thing, Rich. But, you know, sometimes I have to do what I know is right, even though my heart's not in it. He says, and, and, and often, not always, but oftentimes that will help me to eventually get where I need to be. You know what? That's terrific. And I'm not saying that's, the wrong, I'm not saying that's wrong at all. That's good. That's very good. So when I say it's not about following the rules, I'm not saying you don't have standards or principles, but if those standards, if those principles you think in some way make you more acceptable to God, you're sorely, sorely mistaken. And that's a bad thing. That's where it becomes a problem. Because you could watch me and you could say, oh, you don't do this, why don't you do that? Well, I don't think it's the best. Well, are you following a rule? Well, I am for my life, yeah. Is there anything wrong with that? No, as not as long as I don't think it is a sum total of somehow what I am as a follower of Jesus. So faith is not about following the rules. Faith is not about money. You know, we've tried so hard here and I... I Fail to mention it. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do pretty good. Sometimes I don't. It's not about money. One of the reasons we don't pass an offering plate is not because we don't have needs, because we do. It's not because we're an endowed church, because we're not. But we don't want money to become a problem with people's understanding and their relationship with God. We don't want that to happen. And, and that's so easily. I mean, how many times, I have, I'll ask you, how many times I've talked to people and they, we talk about church. Oh, you're a pastor? Oh, yeah. Oh, I guess all you guys do is ask for money. I mean, I, I, it's like, oh, jeez. So I, I, maybe I've overreacted. I don't know. I suppose I, if I'm going to err, I'd rather err on the side of, of not asking as opposed to, you know, asking too much. Um, but that's not what faith is. So many times we try to reduce it to that. It's not. Faith is not about fitting into a mold. So many times we have that little christian mold we think we have to fit into. For some, it might look a certain way. For some, it might look a little different over here. For some, it may affect their entertainment. You would go to a, a movie like that or a play like that. or You know, it's, it's not about it. It might be music. And in some cases, we've, we've tried to break some of those molds just in what we do here. You know, and often cases, oftentimes, what in, in churches like ours, and there are others like this, um, not around here too much, but, uh, but in other parts of the country and so forth. Uh, oftentimes what sometimes happens is people talk about, well, is church just to be entertaining? Are you guys just trying to entertain people? My response is usually, oh, I hope they're not bored. You know, hopefully it's more than entertainment, but I hope you're not bored, you know? Um, and, and so, and, and you get, you think, well, it doesn't fit this mold or this mold. or that. That's not what faith is, whether we're talking church or whether we're talking your own individual life. It's not a mold. God, is, God made us all individually, and I'm grateful for that. And we have different likes and dislikes. And one of the great things about Renaissance is that we, we have people from all walks of life, from Wall Street to Broadway to the Glenn Miller Orchestra to, 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 um, to, to, to moms and stay-at-home moms to, to service people, to, the whole deal. That's, that's, I believe, the right way to do things because that's God's kingdom. We're all over the place. Um, it's not about fitting into a mold. It's not about looking a certain way. 
We kid about that sometimes, but sometimes people aren't joking about it. That's not, you have to look this way or that way or be that color or be, you know, some other kind of thing. It's not, you know, that same way. It's not about, it's not about belonging to a certain political party. Unfortunately, that, I mean, I make a lot of jokes about that and we laugh about that, but unfortunately, today, especially in the age in which we are living, we have, re, we have, Hopefully I haven't, but some people have equated following Christ to being a particular kind of, of in a political party. And that's just so wrong. What happens when the political party changes? You just don't do that. It's not what being a... And Jesus, Jesus was so clear about this. People say, what, what would Jesus have been? Would he have been a Republican or a Democrat? Well, that's an interesting thought. I think he would have... Uh, he would have had some values on each side. You know? I'll let you figure that out. Uh, faith is not about, it's not about church. It hurts me to say that, but it's not about, because I love church and I've committed my life to this thing we call church and I believe in it. And I believe what we do here and I love you being here and I love being a part of it. And I love just being a, a part of the whole thing, and sometimes it's humbled to be a part of the whole thing, of it, just how cool it really is. But that's not the, if that's a sum total. And we had, a, you know, last night we had a great time. Some of us, well, about 30 of us or so, we had, a, we had our tennis party last night, for those of you who don't know. And, and uh, I, don't know who, I don't know who chose that we would have that on the night that the time would, I mean, because like at 10 o'clock last night, we were still playing tennis, and I'm thinking, this is 11 o'clock right now. And, and we had a great time, and we had some fun, and and, uh, and we had people winning, and we had some people losing, and we had, uh, but it was just a good time to being together. You know, some of us, some of our competitive instincts kicked in. Um, some of us still have some of our, realize we still have some of our old biases. You know, confession time maybe, just a little bit. Um, I began to, when I, when I, me and my partner, my partner and I, my partner and I, who's 17 years old, and he's sitting right here in the second row. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to get me a good guy, I'm going to get me a partner who's, seven, who's young. I'm not stupid. And, and, and uh, you know, big jock, you know, you know, number one pitcher at Pingree, the whole deal. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll get him. I'll, I'll, I'll ride him all the way to the barn, baby, you know? Because um, so these two women want to play us. I'm thinking, you know, there's a couple things I can handle being beaten by two women. It's not one of them. I, I know that's a problem. I know I have a problem. I, forgive me. I know that's some of that old stuff coming up, and, and I'm trying. I thought I overcame that, but I didn't because I'm thinking I don't want to lose to these two women. Uh, wonderful women that they are. So I said, okay, buddy, come on. Carry me here. And when you're down 3 nothing in the first set, and you're thinking... Where are you, buddy? What are you going to do? When are you going to kick it in? Of course, I'm blaming him, you know, and I'm sitting over here just hitting off the rim. Every We had a good time, okay? Uh, nonetheless, we had a good time. And, and when we talk about church, that's part of the whole community. And I love that. But listen, and this is the point here that I, that I don't want you to miss, speaking of missing the point, I, I don't want you to miss. And that is, as great as that, that community and fun, because we have the common bond of faith together, as great as that can be, please, please, please don't let that be the sum total of your faith. Because if it is, speaking as a guy who's been in church for all of his life and some sort of leader for 25 years, 
sometimes all those other people aren't going to be there for you. Then what are you going to do? Their fault, your fault, nobody's fault. They may not be. Then what are you going to do? That's when it's just you and God. You and Jesus. That's revolutionary stuff. So it's, it's not about church, as important as church is. It's not about a performance. You know, it's not about, oh, I got I to gotta perform for God. I got to do my God thing. It's not about that. Anybody can do that. God does, doesn't want external stuff. He wants it to begin here in the heart. It's not about, it's not about taking stands against things. So many times we think that's part of being a follower of Christ. I have to be against this, or I have to be against that. You don't have to be against stuff. Certainly there are things that I don't like, and there are things that I believe go against the Bible, but I don't have to go around beating my, on my soapbox, you know, beating the drum and saying, you know, and getting down in front of Penn Station, and I'm not making fun of those people who do, and just saying, oh, you know, everybody's going to hell. Um, that's, not, that's not about following Christ. And so many times we, 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 we think that. Here, here it is. Faith is about loving God and honoring people. Jesus said that. The revolution that Jesus taught of love and grace is in, every, is in all the Gospels. It's very clear. Let me show it to you from Matthew. All right? And just follow along with me because this is, this is some really... I mean, you've maybe heard this before if you've, if you've come here very much. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they thought up a fresh question of their own to ask him. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question, Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Look what he didn't say. Well, you better, you better mind your P's and Q's, and you better not do this, and better not do this, and you better do this. He says, Love God, honor people. That's it. Look what he says. This is, the, this is Jesus' words. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. All, all the other commandments and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. That's it. No sacrificial system, no whole religious set of rules, no whole do, 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 do this and do this and do this. It's real simple. Jesus says, love God and love people, honor people. It's that simple. Let me show you one last thing. One last quote from my favorite president. <laughs> and it is good. Abraham Lincoln said this, When any church will inscribe over its altars as its sole qualification for membership, this is revolutionary in 1860, folks. As its sole qualifications for membership, the Savior's condensed statement of the substance of both law and the gospel, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself, that church will I join with all my heart and soul. Lincoln even thought, wow, that's revolutionary. It was revolutionary when Jesus taught it. It was revolutionary in 1860, and it's revolutionary in 2005. I'll tell you what the biggest revolution that it does. It, it, it revolutionizes people's lives and hearts as we come to God and say, God, I just I want to give my honor, my love to you as God. By that, I mean to seek to live a life 
that will, that will please my Creator, my God. Live a life that will honor Him and His creation, the people around me. That's it. That's revolutionary. It's revolutionary then, it's revolutionary today. And that's what Jesus asked of us. Let's pray together, because this is so important. Lord, we are humbled at the simplicity of the truth of the Bible. And Lord, we are here from all different walks of life. And uh, we are here literally, Lord, with different areas in our own, in our own journey through life. And uh, I would just ask God for each one of us, wherever we are, wherever we are, that we would just in our own simple way come before you and just make that our prayer. God, I want to live a life that, 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 that has a love for my God and a love for the people that I'm with, that I'm all around, that are all around me. And Lord, that really can only come best, at least, through a relationship with you. And we know, Lord, you sent Jesus to come and live and, and suffer on a cross and die and then go to the tomb and then be resurrected on that day that we celebrated last week, to be resurrected to, to, etern- to new life, eternal life. And by our trusting in you, by our just crossing over that line of faith and saying, God, I want to trust you with my life, we too can live a life. Certainly, we might have questions from time to time and doubts from time to time, but a life, Lord, that will be open and loving and pleasing to our Lord and our God. And we thank you for that. We thank you for our time here, Lord, as we commit it to you. In Jesus' name, amen.